Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. But today I want to talk about renewal. Renewal. And my text is beginning in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And you all perhaps are familiar with the scripture. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, read that with me, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me keep that scripture up there, right there, for a moment, because several things I want to break down. Paul says, do not be conformed. The Greek word is shuzamatezo. I had to look that one up. Suzamatezo, which means to be reshaped in your mind and your character. It means to put on another person's pattern or form. There, there are many people, when we talk about peer pressure, that's being conformed. That's shoes up my tail. That's, that's putting on another person's pattern. You're, you're giving in to the pressure of the people around you, of your peers, of your society, and you're acting like them. Our children have a natural conformity on the inside of them. It's called DNA. <laughs> the older I get, Sometimes I walk past the mirror and I think I saw my older brother or my daddy in the mirror. And it's like, no, that's you. There is a DNA on the inside of me that naturally causes me to conform to the Harvey DNA. Nuns, when they put on their, their garment, it's called a habit. Y'all know the black and the white and the hood they put on? It's called a habit. They're putting on, they're conforming to a pattern, to a certain lifestyle. When they put that habit on, it, it's talking about this is the way you're going to be living the rest of your life. And the Bible says, don't put on the pattern of the world. Don't put on the garment. Don't, put a, don't walk in the DNA of the world. The world is fallen. The world is cursed. The world is under control of the Small G-O-D, the small God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. So don't walk in his pattern. Don't walk in his way. Don't walk in his worldview or his mindset. But instead, it says, be you transformed 
metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis, change, changed into another form. And in Matthew 17, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the top of a mountain, and there he was transfigured. He, he, he revealed the glory that was already on the inside of him, and the Bible says it was like the whitest light they had ever seen. Transformation leads to a greater glory and a kingdom impact. So the, the Bible says don't be conformed because that will limit your impact. That will limit the glory of God shining through you, but be transformed. Transformation leads to greater glory and kingdom impact. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to quickly go through this. Paul illustrates how transformation leads to greater glory and kingdom impact when he compares two covenants. He compares the old covenant that Moses introduced. Moses received the law. The law that was given on top of Mount Sinai was, was written on tablets of stone. It was a law. It was legal. It was a letter. And Paul says, the letter killeth. There's a glory in it. There, there's there's, a, there's a, a covenant relationship with God in it. But it kills. It's a, it's, a, it's a covenant of death. It's a covenant of condemnation. All of this is, is in between verses 6 through verse 18. I'm just kind of highlighting some of it because there's more that I want to say. There's a glory in it. And Moses, when he came down from the mountain, because he was in the presence of God for 40 days, what he beheld transformed into him. It, it conformed him. It it, it caused him to radiate because he was looking at a radiant God for 40 days. And so his face shone. And Moses put a veil over his face because the people were afraid to look at his face. But the Bible says that that glory that he had on him was a fading glory. It was passing away. But there was a greater glory that Jesus brought in the new covenant. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Jesus came to give us a spiritual covenant, a spiritual relationship with God that gives us life. Not like the old one that condemns you. This one gives you a ministry of righteousness. And so he says in verse 17 of, of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can put this scripture up, verse 17, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom where the Spirit is in this new covenant. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So today God is he's calling us as a people. He's calling you. He's calling you to renew your mindset. Renew your mind. And there's three areas that I want to teach on today. He's, he's calling us to renew our mind if we're going to have a global impact. First of all, in the area of our freedom. Secondly, in the area of our wealth. And thirdly, in the area of our finances. Now, some of you all probably think I repeated myself when I said wealth and finances, but you're going to see their difference. The title of this is Renewed to a, an Abundance Mindset. Renewed to an Abundance Mindset. So we need an abundance mindset in how we live our lives, how we walk out this spirit where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How, because Paul says, I can do all things, but all things are not profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. So you've got freedom. God created you with free will. How do you, how do you live in that, that free moral state uh, as a follower of Christ? In, in covenant relationship, we're going to talk about how, how does that manifest in abundance. 
How does your wealth manifest in abundance? How do your finances manifest in abundance? We have to have a renewed mindset for a kingdom impact. Apostle Bill Johnson, who pastors uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California, is quoted as saying the importance of the mind. He says, I cannot afford to have one thought in my mind that is not his. I cannot afford to have one thought in my mind that is not his. His thoughts are true. His thoughts are pure. His thoughts are holy. His thoughts are right. His thoughts are powerful. There's a lot of thoughts that are coming our way through the media and through, through the internet and through messaging and through conversations and through books and through magazines and through music. I cannot afford to have one thought in my mind that's not his. That's what it means to not be conformed to the world but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in the area of our freedom... This is, a, this is a challenge for us to transform how we lead in the church, but also let me illustrate about how you lead in your home as a parent. Just, just think about it. Just Because I know parents, we got some helicopter parents. Y'all know what helicopter parents are, right? They're always hovering over their children, right? You know, the children spill some milk. <laughs> the parent just comes down, what have you done? I've been watching you from afar. I knew you were going to spill that milk you know, protective and, you know, guarding them and, and, and controlling. That's what it really means. But listen, parents, you can't troll, you cannot control your children. In the same way, pastors, you can't control the members of your church. I figured out a long time ago, I don't care how much I preach, how much I sweat, how much I jump, I rip my pants, do whatever I had to do to try to get y'all to live holy. You got the freedom and the choice to do it. I ain't going to wear myself out. Because you got the choice. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That's the only thing you can control is yourself. God never asked you to control anything. Just control yourself. In fact, when we try to control people, we are denying the image of God that is upon them because we're all made with a human dignity. We're all made in God's image. So anytime you control somebody, you are acting like you're the master, massa, and they the slave. And anytime you treat somebody with a sense of control, they're going to rebel. Give us us free. All right? soon as you turn your back, I'm running north crossing that Mason-Dixon line because you're trying to control me. Your children will do it. Your employees will do it. Your church members will do it because we are created in the image of God. God made us with freedom. He made us with free will. Freedom shifts how we pastor. Freedom shifts how we lead people. Freedom shifts how we parent. Think about this. God is a freedom father. Y'all heard of freedom fighters? Those are people who are fighting against uh, unjust governments, right? They're saying, give us us free. You're oppressing us. You're, you're manipulating us. You're a dictator. So you got these freedom fighters that are rebels in the country. Well, God is a freedom father. He wants children, not robots. If you're serving him out of a sense of control, it's not a true relationship. He's, he would be denying his own image that he put within you. So just imagine Imagine you as a parent, you're raising your child, and, and, and uh, before you go to work, you give your child certain tasks and chores that you want them to accomplish before you get home. 
but either your child refuses to do it somehow do the course of the day they forget they neglect to do it say for example they choose to go to the to the mall with their friends well, I'm going to outside to play football so you come home you see that the chores and the tasks that you've assigned have not been done and instead of you giving them consequences you go and you do what you told them to do now you have just robbed them of empowerment you have robbed them of responsibility and you have robbed them of the privilege of maturing maturity responsibility and empowerment only comes from freedom it only comes when we have choice it only comes when we also deal with the consequences of our choice that's the way God created Adam and Eve he created his first children in the Garden of Eden right he gave them freedom he gave them responsibility he gave them choices hey listen you got everything in this garden that you can eat just don't eat this one thing I'm not I'm not slave mastering you I'm just telling you you got the choice if you eat this you're gonna deal with the consequences you're gonna die God wasn't standing in front of the tree no don't 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 No, he said if you want to eat I said before you life or death blessing or cursing choose life is your choice he wants us to choose because when we have the power to choose that means we have the power to choose to be good or the power to be bad now some people have a problem with a God like that why did God create evil well God didn't create evil he gave you the choice if you want to be evil you can be but God is he's big enough and secure enough that he's willing to allow both good and bad good and evil to be in the world at the same time but you get to choose which one is gonna be the master over your life whenever we try to control people especially our children we cripple them you all have probably heard the illustration of, of butterflies you know caterpillars becoming butterflies in the cocoon the moment you decide I'm gonna help this butterfly out I'm gonna cut it out of the cocoon you cripple it you kill it because it didn't develop the maturity and the strength to, to strengthen its its wings on its own because you helped it you robbed it of its responsibility you robbed it of that that innate power that God put within them where parents and pastors can do the same thing we have to have a new mindset we have to lead our homes and lead our churches in an environment of freedom that's how you grow a church healthy not by control you got some pastors y'all bet not go to that three o'clock service over there you better come here and only come here I better be the only one you call pastor well that's control we got too many uptight parents and uptight pastors and you know manipulate see when you got that then you got to manipulate you got to intimidate you got to instill fear instead of creating a safe place hallelujah let, let me go on a little bit deeper so abundance and freedom are choices and ingredients that must be nurtured in our soul if we want a revival culture in our church everybody say freedom let me go to the second level we have to be renewed to an abundance mindset in the area of wealth we have to be renewed in our mind in the in the area of wealth now wealth is not about money it's not about riches wealth is an inside job <laughs> it's an internal reality it's a state of mind it's a spirit 
Wealth is the opposite of a poverty mindset. I'm going to say some things that if I was a visiting preacher, I might not get inv invited back to this pulpit, but I got, some, I got some tenure in here so I can say what I want to say. And it's biblical too. Y'all going to question whether Bishop lost his mind after this message. Listen, a poverty mindset is anti-God. A poverty mindset angers God. It angers God. It pees God off. God is not, he's not thrilled about welfare and crime and poverty and homelessness and brokenness and people living below the poverty line and, and people making less than minimum wage. He's not, he's not thrilled about a poverty mindset. Let me tell you why. It's because it limits him. It limits his glory. It diminishes him. It reduces his impact in his people. And there are some people that have a poverty mindset that the poorer I am, the more spiritual I am. The more room I have for God. Poverty is an offense to God. In the same way as poverty is an offense to God, hyper-prosperity teaching is an offense to God also. Now I'm just going to say this. I'm a prosperity teacher and preacher. And a prosperity liver, amen? And it got nothing to do with wealth, with money. It's an inside job. I believe in prosperity. I believe 3 John 2 is, is correct. God wants you to prosper, beloved, and be in health even as your soul prospers. But this hyper-wealth prosperity teaching is an offense to God. It's anti-God. Just as the, the, the poverty mentality limits God, this hyper-wealth prosperity teaching, it also limits God. It puts God in a box, and he's too big to be in anybody's box. I, I just recently heard that, uh, that Benny Hinn, about two weeks ago, several, several videos out where Benny Hinn is repenting personally from... Um, preaching this hyper-prosperity gospel. He says he's never again going to ask anybody to give a $1,000 offering in order to get their miracle. He's rebuking hyper-prosperity preachers, some of his very own friends. You know, $50 lines and $100 lines and, you know, cancer line right here, high blood pressure line right here, <laughs> backache line right here, want your husband to come back home, Want a husband? You ain't never been home yet, but you want one? Come on this. All that's hyper-prosperity teaching. It's anti-God. It's an offense to sell miracles, to put God in a box, as if the only way that God can do a miracle is if you release a certain amount of money. That's manipulation. That's see why freedom, wealth brings freedom. And he, he knows that it's going to cost him. He's not going to be invited on the telethons, you know, because they want you to raise money for him. Poverty is a spirit. Just like prosperity is a spirit. Just like wealth is a spirit. God, God dealt with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, Abram, get out of your country. 
from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed remember I, I earlier I said I said we have a when we talk about not being conformed that's a pattern that's a DNA that's a lifestyle we have the DNA of Abraham inside of us because the Bible tells us in Galatians that we are heirs of Abraham and we are his seed so before God even called Abraham Abraham was wealthy because it's an inside job but what God did to Abraham is that he expanded him with responsibility he changed his name from Abram which means exalted father to Abraham father of a multitude He's saying, listen, I want to put something upon you that's even greater. You, you've been called exalted father, but I want you to have seed as numerous as the stars in heaven, as much as the sand upon a shore. That's a greater responsibility. That's a bigger mantle. He's empowering Abram by changing his name. Because he says, I'm putting something on you that you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. All the nations of the earth are going, to, are going to be blessed because of you, but you can't do it with a small mentality. You need a wealth and abundance mentality. Secondly, you got to leave your country. You got to leave your comfort zone. You got to leave your limitations. You got to leave your father's house. You can't, you can't be known by that identity that your father gave you, that your family gave you. I know they gave you nicknames. How many of y'all got nicknames? Pee Wee, Junebug, Little Sis, B. BB, all of that, you know you got Nick. That's not what God calls you. That's the identity your family knows you of. And sometimes we live in that bondage of who our family has called us to be, who our family thinks, who our family knew we were. And they put us in a box. God says, no, I want you to leave that because I'm doing something bigger in you. You got to leave your father's house. We need a new identity. This, this thing about having a wealth mindset has really, has really, um, has really angered me. It really has. I've been, this is something that's been brewing in me for a long time. And I'm working on a book called I Don't Want to Be Black. And I know y'all, some of y'all like, what do you mean you don't want to be black? What you talking about, man? <laughs> well, black, black is not a, is not a race. <laughs> Black is a man-made social construct that identifies a certain category of people that came from Africa for the purpose of limiting their power, their access, their privilege, their opportunity, their advancement. I don't want to be black. If that's what black means, I don't want to be black. I'm going to say this too. This is the part I said I might not get invited back if I wasn't a pastor at this church. The N-word, that's a spirit. I, I want to say it. I got it in my nose, but I'm not going to say it. I'm, it's a spirit. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the N-word, right? It's a spirit. It's a word that, that African Americans were called for centuries, 250 years of slavery, you were called that even this day you're called that and then words have power words carry spirits words are boxes or they are platforms listen if somebody puts you in a negative connotation they're throwing negative words at you they're wrapping you up they're putting you in a box if somebody is 
building you up, they're putting you on a platform. Ooh, you're great at that. Ooh, you're powerful. Ooh, you're smart. They're just building you up. I don't want to be black. That's the reason that many Africans don't identify with the African-American experience. And they literally distance themselves from the issues and the, and the discussions that African-Americans are having in our churches and in our community. They're saying, I don't want to be black. I don't want to be put in that box. I don't want to accept that spirit. And yes, yes, I agree and I acknowledge that black lives matter. I acknowledge that injustice and disparities are in our society. They are a result of this fallen evil world and men's hearts who are not fully conformed to the image of Christ. I acknowledge that there's some blue lives that are racist and that are criminals with a badge and a gun. I acknowledge that. And just as there are some blacks that have that in spirit, See, it's a, it's a difference between being an African-American and being a, being a, that N-word. It's a difference. That, that N-word is a spirit. You've identified with the, you've, you've put on the jacket of the world. You put on the habit, the mindset, the attitude, the behavior, the expectations. And God is saying, don't be conformed to the world. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we've socialized it. We made it popular. That's my, that's my, little dude is my end, man. He's my end. That's my, that's my little end. You just put him in a box. Just put a chain around his mind. And even the ladies calling each other female dogs. Laughing and y'all be you better be quiet. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Calling each other garden tools. As if that's part of the culture. I don't want to be black. That's associated with a spirit, associated with a poverty mindset. It's associated with, a, with an evil construct that was, that was de de designed in hell and permeated through, through wicked, evil people for the purposes of power and control and, and continuing the devil's agenda. I don't know if Harriet Tubman said this. It's debated whether she said it. But, you know, she ran that underground railroad and she freed hundreds of slaves. She's, somebody says she said, I don't know. I could have freed thousands of more slaves if they had known they were slaves. If they only had known they were slaves, I could have freed a thousand more. Some mentality. Israel spent 430 years as slaves in Egypt. African Americans spent over 250 years in U.S. slavery and centuries after that still under unjust laws and stigmatized and dealing with racial residue. We cannot believe the devil's lies. Don't feed into a mindset that limits the glory of God. Let me, let me, talk, let me tell you something. There's a lady uh, named uh, Dr. Ruby Payne. Some of you educators might have heard of her or people who have studied sociology. And, and she talks about the difference between poverty, middle class, and a wealth mindset. 
Now, she's been criticized by, by saying that, you know, she's stereotyping, um, you know, people of color. But she has research that has been done that each one has a different worldview. People who are, in a, who are in a poverty mindset, when it comes to money, when it comes to money, their, their inclination is to spend it. Right? I'm going to Pottawatomie. Why? I want some money. What you going to do with it? Spend it. Give me some new Jordans. Give me, give me some new nails, some new hair. Spend it. Give me some crab legs at Pottawatomie. I'd, I'm not thinking about tomorrow. My sense of time is right now is most important. Whereas the middle class, when they get money, they think about managing it. Their sense of time is related to the future. The wealthy mindset, when they, when they get money, their, their sense of, of thought, their mindset is, how can I multiply this? Let me get me some advisors, some wealth managers. Because I don't want this to run out today. I want it to be here from generation to generation. When it comes to food, poverty mindset is, again now, we're thinking about today. It's all about survival. I'm thinking about quantity. How can I get the max for the minimum? And I, I'm not picking on anybody's restaurant, but I'm going to Old Country Buffet. I'm going to Golden Corral. I'm going to give them my coupon, I'm going to give them my senior discount card, and the price is going to come down from $15.95 to $5.95, and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to eat $30 worth of food. They're going to wish they had not opened up this morning, because it's all about quantity. It's, it's the, more, the most I can get, right? And, and if I'm not saved, I'm going to take some plastic bags in my pocket, and when they ain't looking, I'm going to put some fried chicken in them bags. I'm going to walk out heavier than when I came in, right? Because I don't know if I'm going to eat tomorrow. There's more that I could talk about. I, may, I don't know. I may, I may pick this up in, in the next, uh, next two weeks after Pastor Marcus teaches. I just want you all to understand there's a different mindset. And that's why the proverb writer, Proverbs 30, verse 8, he makes a prayer request to God. He says, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Remove every lie that I've believed. I cannot afford to have any thought in my mind that is not his. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you, lest I get proud and, and forget that I'm blessed to be a blessing, or lest I be poor and I steal and I profane the name of the Lord. I give people a wrong perception of who God is based on my mindset. The reason that God is offended by poverty is that you give people the wrong mindset of the God that you serve. You've been at Park Lawn Assembly God this morning. You leave here, you go to brunch. You eat whether you go to, to, to Golden Corral or wherever you go. And when the bill comes, you're going to tip according to your mindset. And you got on them sisterhood shirts and they're going to see you. Well, you go to Park Lawn Semi God and you gave me a 3% tip. How big is your God? Or you didn't tip at all. We do the same thing in church. 
We, we don't plant churches because we see ourselves as the mission field. We don't evangelize. We don't, go, we, don't, we don't do missions in global lands because we're so concerned about what's happening right here locally in my neighborhood. I thank God for the, for the radio stations that we have, but please, let's talk about something global. Not just local. Not just what happened yesterday and last night. Let's talk about the future. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Let me go on. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Third John. It's only one chapter. Verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants us to prosper. Because when we prosper, he can manifest who he is in the world. And we have a greater impact. Listen, you can't have an impact if you're poor. You got to have some stuff. You got to have some material wealth. You got to have some, some, some integrity, some character, some love, some joy, the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you so that you can manifest God's glory. Let me go on to the last one. I told you there's three areas that God wants to renew our mind in an abundance mindset. The first one was freedom, how we lead and how we parent. The second one is our wealth mentality. And the third is our financial mindset. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't put on the spirit of the world. Now, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, the people in the Old Testament had put on this, this, this mindset about their finances, and God prophetically spoke to them in verse 8 and said, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Period. You have robbed me in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So God says, the remedy, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and then try me now in this. This is the only time in Scripture God says you can test me. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And, oh, this is extra. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. The key to us prospering is the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. Prosperity is not a bad word. I'm not talking about the hyper-teaching prosperity. I'm talking about biblical prosperity. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be blessed so that you can bless others. The word prosperity in the Greek means to push forward. Can you imagine God pushing you forward? You ain't got to fight your way in. You ain't got to manipulate your way in. God is pushing you forward. He's Thrusting you to advance. That's what prosperity is. How many of you want God to push you forward? I do. Push me forward, Lord, in every door. Every door that you have, have opened up for me. Even the doors that are closed, you are the God who opens them that no one can shut. God wants you to advance. He wants you to prosper but there is no prosperity outside of God's will. 
Now, there are a lot of people in the world who seemingly are prospering financially. <laughs> but you know what? The Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. So everybody that's rich, every, all money ain't good money, right? They might have a, a, a stack of money, of money in the bank, but how well are you sleeping at night? How good is your marriage? How, how, how unified is your family? Pastor Marcus, in 2020, after this church ratifies you as the next senior pastor, I want you to do several things. I want you to check the tithe records of all your leaders regularly. Because that's where you determine where the heart is. A lot of folks can say, I got your back, Bishop. Amen. I got your back, Pastor Mark. Okay, let me check your tithe record. Because wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I know where your heart is when I look at your giving record. You can't be a leader in this church if you're not tithing. You're a thief. You're robbing God. A lot of us, we don't tithe because we say we can't afford it. Anybody ever heard that? I would tithe, but I just can't afford it right now. Well, let me just tell you this. If you're not tithing, you're inviting the devourer into your life. If you're not tithing, you're inviting the devourer into your marriage, into your family, into your relationships, into your body, into your mind, into every aspect of your life. When he talks about your vine shall not spoil and your fruit shall not fall to the ground before it's time, it's talking about you thriving. It's talking about God up advancing you. And he will only rebuke the devourer if you bring all the tithe into his storehouse. People talk about they can't afford it. You will not be able to afford it until you start tithing. You will not be able to afford tithing until you start tithing. Because listen, your money is under a curse because it's in the world. We started talking about that. We are in a falling world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed in your finances. And how do you redeem your finances? It's the tithe. It's the first of your income. The first check you should write should not be to the government, not, should, not your, your school, not to your car, not to your gas bill. It should be to the Lord. The tithe belongs to Him. If you are not tithing, you are opening up the door for the enemy into your life. Some of us, we got prayer requests. We got problems. And we, we always going through something. Are you tithing? The, the people that I hear that are tithing, most of their testimony, not that they don't go through stuff. No, it don't mean that you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory and you're never going to get sick and you know kids ain't never going to do anything wrong but when I hear their testimony I'm blessed Bishop I'm, I'm blessed more than I, than I deserve everything ain't been great but I'm blessed that's a testimony of a tither people that ain't tithing oh nobody knows the trouble I've seen 
Nobody knows. You're walking around kicking a can down the street and just showing it on your face. Are you tithing? It's a different mindset. I believe many of us, we believe in tithing, we just don't do it. Oh, I believe that. I believe it, Bishop. I believe that's in I believe Malachi 3 and 10. Are you doing it? No. That's like saying you believe in bathing, but you just don't do it. You will only be blessed when you start doing it. And you will only be able to afford it when you start doing it. I guarantee if you're not tithing, you can't afford it. Because you're trying to hold on to everything you get, but it's under a curse. And when you give God the first, it redeems everything. And that 90% is now supernatural. It's miracle money. And God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I hope you all see that God is trying to get us to redeem our mindset, to renew our minds, to renew our minds. I want you to just close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes right now. If you can, put whatever you have in your lap. And just lift your hands up to the Lord as if your palms are up to God right now. Palms up. Palms up to God. Palms up to the Lord right now. Lord, here in your presence. Here in your presence, God. Miracles can occur. Things can change. It's here in your presence, Lord. That we are transformed from glory to glory. And from faith to faith, and from strength to strength. If you're not tithing right now, I'm not even going to lay hands on you. I'm just going to tell you to repent. Repent and give God that which is His. And Lord, we take you at your word. Every person who is deciding right now, because you've given them freedom, you've given them the choice to live under the blessing or to live under the curse. Those who are deciding now, I'm going to live under the blessing. As an act of their faith, of their obedience, and their will, according to your word, open the windows of heaven, pour out blessings that they won't have room to receive, and rebuke the devourer. We don't even have to rebuke him. You said you would do it. Oh, God, I thank you right now. Thank you, Lord. I just, those of you that are already tithing, this is a time for you to just give God praise because, come on, he's rebuking the devourer on your sake. He's rebuking the devourer for your sake. He's rebuking the devourer for your sake. Come on, he's, he's turning your situation around. He's opening the windows of heaven for you right now. Hands up. Hands up. We receive. We receive wealth in our souls. Prosperity in our souls. A renewed mind, oh God. Freedom. Abundance. Wealth. Finances. Favor. Hallelujah. Said if we give, it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give it to our bosoms. He said, above all, we shall prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper, our minds prosper, our bodies prosper, our emotions prosper, our children prosper, our families prosper. We prosper going, we prosper coming. 
and it's all for your glory. Lord, be glorified, be manifested, be magnified in the midst of your people, in the midst of this city. Everywhere we go, let there be a distinct difference and a sign advantage, the favor of God upon your people, Lord. Hallelujah. I want everyone to just stand right now. I've gone over my time and... If you can, just again, touch and hold the hand of the person next to you. Father, the person whose hand we're holding, we see the image of God in them. They are free moral creatures. And God, we release them from every box from every word, every lie, every arrow of the enemy. We lift up the shield of faith right now and quench every fiery dart. And God, I thank you that they are free to soar, free to love, free to be whom you call them to be, free to glorify you, Lord. I thank you that from the north, the south, the east, and the west, on the right side and on the left side, we're breaking out. We're breaking off the chains off of our mind, breaking off the slave mentality, breaking off the poverty mentality and just walking in divine authority, walking in an abundance, walking in an identity that says we are the king's kids. We are the children of the Most High God. We're neither black nor white nor red nor brown nor yellow, but we are your people. Every tongue, every tribe, every ethnos, every nation, every language in your kingdom, in your family. And we go forth from this service, from this place today, to advance your kingdom, to have a kingdom impact in our city and in our world. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees, say amen. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.